Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 163 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Um, and I could say this one time here, and it will only be one time. Uh, this month is going to be rough because of the uh, importer-exporter business. Yeah, yeah, we're, you got a late start tonight because of me. I apologize. Right. Well, that's fine. We just can't say that it's going to be a short show because of it. <laughs> yeah, just it's a snackable show. This is going to no. be like a feeling. I have a feeling that this one's going to be like an hour, I think, Joe. <laughs> mm. Now, typically when we record, I don't watch the clock, you know? Yeah, I don't have it on the screen either. I have my notes up. I have, I have tons of notes. Lots of research goes into this podcast mm-hmm. for me. I got two sets of notes. I got my notepad, of course, and then I have, like, you know, pen and paper notes because I'm an mm-hmm. old man. Yeah. This but, uh, this notebook's almost done because it's, like, the shared, like, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes uh, Patreon show. And, um, like, I have notes in here from, oh, man, what the hell is this? When I did, like, a while ago's Pod Van Dam when they did a draft show. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you were the the guest judge, yeah. See, we talked about before auctioning off your commentary notes. I feel mm-hmm. like there would be just as much of a demand, maybe not as much, but I think there would be equal, you know, uh, demand for the podcast notes. Eh, maybe. I, I think you'd part with those first. There's no big secrets in those. Yeah, so these, I don't know. Like, th- like this notebook, when it's done, I don't think I'm going to toss it. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. Are there notes in there from your appearance on IWTV Guide this week? No, there is not. That was a much more free-form, freewheeling thing. There was no show that we watched. Just, uh, you know... Something new for a podcast, uh, three white guys uh, over the age of 30 talking about professional wrestling. Oh, what a niche podcast there. That's a That's niche right. inside of a niche inside of a niche. <laughs> certainly is. I joke uh, around, but uh, no, I had fun talking to the guys, you know. Uh, I, feel I, a, I feel as though it was a different type of conversation than I have uh, weekly on this show with you, you know. Yeah, because, I mean, I listened to it. It was a great episode, and it was just a very free-form conversation. Like, I feel like it started with one thing, and one thing begot another thing, and begot another thing, and, like, ten minutes later, you're in a completely different direction. It was probably what it, it's like to just sit around and talk wrestling with you, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, um, usually a real-life a real life conversation does v- veer off into other Uh, topics of discussion. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the latest Wrestling Cheers this week where young Ed was on. No, it's on my queue, but uh, I'm mad at Ed. Maybe more about that later. (laughs) (laughs) There was specifically a bit in there where Ed was lamenting about how when he'll tweet something out that says like, oh, Bret Hart sucks or something, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And the interactions that he has uh, with people because he tweets something like that out. Unrelated, that might be a heavy topic on this week's Longbox Heroes After Dark. Yeah, I listen in the the proper listening order. So I heard, uh, you know, the, uh, what is it? The how to get a tweet, like, viral through enraging the Twitterverse. You know, yeah. there's a discussion on that. <laughs> yeah. And then you, I guess, are first up in the hopper uh, for the Tournament of Champions uh, Monday for the HO. 
Uh, no, you know what? Monday is, I believe, the Boar's episode. The Boar versus Matt is what I've been told. Uh, I am just the number one seed. So, That's right. Uh, I am not sure exactly when I will be facing Irish Kev Spencer. Uh, I have been preparing because this guy really knocked it out of the park by getting four votes and somehow <laughs> winning. Somehow <laughs> winning with four votes against whoever he faced. But, uh, you know, somehow I got to face that internet clout juggernaut and uh but yeah i'm pretty sure the boar versus matt is the upcoming episode and also announced for that because as you mentioned the tournament has the brackets have been announced so i will be facing irish kev spencer ed cody will be facing sean mernon the boar against matt and dewicki himself versus kevin the man graham and i don't know joe i think uh this is probably the easiest tournament I've ever had in front of me. The, it's, I see no roadblocks. Really? You don't think if you match up at some point with the boar, there's not going to be any sort of uh, extra stank on whatever he brings to you? I don't know. I've seen how the boar performs in Twitter polls, and I'm not scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I guess... The the Boar's episode is recording in the next few days. Uh, whenever that happens, maybe I'll jump on. You know, it's my podcast. I can do what I want. Oh, my goodness. So we'll see. We'll see if, I, uh, if I'm available at the time. I might pop on. Sure. But, but yeah, I'm looking forward to becoming a two-time champion of the A-Show. Two-time champion. Two-time. Okay. Two-time. Yep. You know, well, never mind. I'm not even gonna... <laughs> People keep saying that I'm wrong about winning the first one, and I just, I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> well, I can make a very good case that you're wrong about the first one, but now's not the time for that, because now's the time for this. And now, At Odds With Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. This day in wrestling history is light-ish. Um, on this day in wrestling history, and again, technically it happened pre-1990, so, you know, Adam technically doesn't count this, right? Okay. Um, but the John Carpenter film, They Live, was released in movie theaters nationwide today. Oh, in 1988, right? 1988, yes. So I do acknowledge movies that came before 1980. Because uh, Back Back to the Future, one of my favorite movies, came out before 1990. Uh, Princess Bride, also up there amongst my favorites. So movies pre-1990 are absolutely true. It's just wrestling I don't believe in. What about movies starring wrestlers? Is that okay? That's okay. That's okay. Because while, I don't know, they were movie stars. They weren't wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this reminds so, me, I still haven't got my goddamn They Live Hollywood Elite figure, but that's, that's a different story. <laughs> so this uh, stars Roddy Piper and Keith David, really the only two named stars in this film. Uh, it's a John Carpenter film, so, you know, for the most part, it's probably going to be good. Uh, many would argue it's probably one of his best movies, and I'd be hard-pressed to disagree with that statement. Uh, in the world of wrestling, though, this movie was released at a very strange time. Um, so Piper had retired from World Wrestling Entertainment in 87, March of 87, WrestleMania of 87, mm. uh, to film this and I think Hell Comes to Frogtown. 
Um, so he had not appear. He does not appear on WWF TV again until WrestleMania 89, where they do the Piper's Pit thing, uh, with brother love and Ro- uh, Morton Downey Jr. I almost said Robert Downey, Morton Downey Jr. <laughs> so at the time, both WWF and NWA were promoting this movie because NWA was attempting to bring Piper in. Okay. Um, the plan that ends up happening in early to mid 89, where it transitions from the Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat feud into the Ric Flair, Terry Funk feud, arguably one of the better feuds of all time. Uh, they were attempting to negotiate not only with Roddy Piper coming in to fill one of those roles, but NWA was also attempting to negotiate with Macho Man at the same time. Oh, wow. Uh, I was going to say that's another one of those like what if butterfly yeah. effect scenarios where it's like, you know, Piper early 90s was like height of his physical powers. And you uh-huh. think if he was in, you know, all natural, of course. But of course, uh, he probably would have had a world title run in him, you know, during those dog days of early 90s WCW. Probably. And, you know, and again, this is stuff that was gleaned from. You know, third party through the, from the, you know, observers and torches at the time from listening to Between the Sheets and everything. But the word is that the Macho Man was like an immediate no because they super lowballed him on an offer. But mm-hmm. the Piper was like, you know, close enough to be like them plugging They Live on TV, you know? Yeah. Well, um, it doesn't cost anything to plug something, so. No, no. Uh, per, exactly. Um Flash forward uh, about eight years later, 1996, uh, on this episode of Monday Night Raw, this maybe, you know, there's so many people that are like, what's the beginning of the Attitude Era? Like, where does it begin? And if you wanted to make an argument for this episode of Monday Night Raw, I'd give it to you because this is the Austin Pillman home invasion episode of Monday Night Raw. Okay, I was very confused because in your notes it says Austin Gunn, and I'm like, of yes. the gun of the gun club? Yes, <laughs> this was the night that he was conceived. <laughs> no. Uh this was I, I again I try to keep my notes when I send them to you as loose as possible. So I like to surprise you with these sort of things. Yeah. Uh but no, this was Pillman had his leg broken on an episode of Superstars, is when angles still happened on Superstars. Uh <laughs> by Austin and you know, Austin was like, all right, son, I'm going to come to your house and kick your ass. And Pillman's there with his what with Melanie and Kevin Kelly is there as an on the street reporter or on the scene reporter. And as Austin's driving there and getting to the house, they show Pillman inside with a gun. And again, kind of looks more like a starter pistol than an actual gun. But let's you know, it's 1996. Let's not split hairs. Mm-hmm. And Austin comes into the house and we get the close up of Pillman and the feed gets cut and, you know, you hear the bang and everyone's like, well, we don't know what happened there. Uh, that following Saturday on Livewire, Vince has to come on and apologize to the USA Network for showing that angle. <laughs> and wasn't it like. I don't know if it was on the same show as the the gun angle, but didn't they basically say like, oh, there was, you know, yeah, there was a shot, but like Austin escaped or something like that. Yeah, we're like, we're, we're going to get word. We're going to, we hope that everyone's okay sort of thing. And then I think they closed the episode of Raw by saying, 
uh, that we got word. Um, you know, they, they went to Kevin Kelly. There was audio, but no video that no one was injured and Austin made, was uh, escorted from the premises. <laughs> Pillman's a terrible shot. Yes. <laughs> this episode of Monday, just to give you an idea, the rest of this Monday night, uh, this Monday night raw featured uh, the stalker, Barry Windham taking on gold dust. Uh, I think uh, Bob Sparkplug Holly taking on fake Razor Ramon and the Sultan taking on uh, Alex the Pug Porto. <laughs> so again, Monday Night Raw really, really giving you really a mixed bag in 1996. They really crawled into the Attitude Era, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> All right. So, uh, hey, Adam, let's get into some likes and dislikes from this past week. Hopefully we double up so uh, this show does become as snackable as you hope it would be. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm looking at this. I think there's going to be a lot of overlap. And I think it's safe to say for the first time in a long time, uh, Final Wrestling Place isn't going to scoop us because there was some late breaking news right before we recorded. (laughs) And it's my first dislike. And that is the fact that, hey, WWE released a bunch of people again. Yay. Uh, So I I don't have the full list in front of me. Maybe you can go ahead and fill it in in a moment. But I'm not going to pose this as like, oh, man, I'm angry that they fired Keith Lee and Ember Moon. Because at the end of the day, you know, Keith Lee's not going to be mad if I lose my job. But at the same time, I want the WWE to be good because I have to watch it. And when the WWE is good, wrestling's better. You know, like a rising tide raises all the ships and all that. And this is just yet another example of just the air quote budget cuts and just people being released that they either have no idea how to use or, you know, people making decisions that shouldn't be making decisions or whatever. But lots of people released today. Uh, I can care less about a couple of them. The one with the initials KKK, good riddance, but uh, a couple good people gone and uh, there just isn't enough room to say, oh, I can't wait until Ember Moon's in you know, AEW, or I can't wait until Keith Lee's, you know, in in Impact. I mean, there, there's only so many spots for these people. So it just sucks to, to continue to see uh, people losing their jobs after record profits. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of people were speculating that they had announced, I think, on Monday that they were going to do the uh, third quarter uh, stockholders meeting. And then everyone's like, well, that means we're going to get the releases on Friday. And World Wrestling Entertainment's like, fuck you, we're going to do it on Thursday. Now, bear in mind, uh, I don't think this has been officially announced on, like, WWE.com or from the WWE Twitter as we record this, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do have the list here in front of me, and this is also one of my dislikes. Uh, So, the list is Keith Lee, uh, who was just recently on TV as of Monday. Uh, Mia Yim. Uh, who was recently drafted to Raw and has not wrestled a match on TV since December. Has she ever wrestled since she left Absolution or whatever it was called? Yes, that was her. She had a match on Main Event. Oh, okay. So so basically, no, she hasn't. Right. <laughs> Retribution, um, I'm sorry. Harry Smith. Do you remember when Harry Smith was rehired over the summer? I saw that release, and I was like, I thought he's been out of the company for 10 years. I was shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did a dark match at their first live event. Was the first live event back Money in the Bank, like in front of fans? I don't know. 
<laughs> he okay so that was july he did a dark match and then was you know let go here less than four months later uh nia jacks eh. okay <laughs> i uh, i hope her hole is okay <laughs> remember that gimmick uh eva marie who got like a big push and big production and big everything behind her or whatever right yeah and she was hired post all of those other budget cuts and i remember being like why the hell they hire her but I remember people online saying, I can't believe they released the Iconics and Mickey James so they could hire Eva Marie, as though somebody, this person saw the WWE balance sheet and <laughs> saw them moving the money for those three to her. That might have been me. I was bitter about the Iconics. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Scarlet and Killer Karrion Cross were let go. I hope Scarlet lands on her feet. Uh-huh. I'm sure she'll be just fine. <laughs> uh, B. Fab of Hit Row, who was recently drafted to SmackDown and was on TV this past Friday, was re- let go. One of the hottest acts in wrestling prior to the, you know, the promotion. And it just goes to the point that uh, the women that are promoted from NXT that are in a male stable never last. Look at Nikki Cross in uh, what was that stable with Eric Young? Sanity. Sanity, like, and then obviously Carmella was pulled out of Enzo and Cass, probably for the better. But uh, I, I feel like the women don't make it to the main roster with those groups. Anyways. Uh, so continuing, uh, Grand Metallic, who actually had asked for his release and had been asking for his release for some time. Got what he wanted. Uh, Lindsay Dorado, I, I got what I wanted. <laughs> Uh, yep. Kat- Katrina Cortez. Never heard. Uh, who was that? Never heard of her. So I had to consult the spreadsheet for this. Uh, she was a masked uh, jobber lady on the first episode of NXT Two Point Glow. Oh, all right. Well, uh, em- Ember Moon, who recently got put back onto NXT and like looked to maybe be in the midst of a heel turn. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, lots of places she can go. Good for her. Right. Ember Moon probably has the most, uh, outside of Keith Lee, I would say Ember Moon probably has the most upside of everyone on here. Um, Frankie Monet. Oh, no. What about her dog? Uh, I think the dog's fine. Was the dog released? Or no, dog no word on the dog. <laughs> uh, Trey Baxter, who was on the indies as Blake Christian. Uh, he was positioned on NXT Two Point Glow as Cora Jade's boyfriend. Oh, so Cora's single now. Mm-hmm. At least on at least her NXT Two Point Glow character. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, Jeet Rama. Never heard Jeet, of him. Jeet Rama, who uh, had been previously on Two O Five Live. That's and- not a thing. And just made his uh, NXT Two Point Glow debut this past Tuesday. Was he in the Halloween party segment? No, he actually wrestled a match against uh, Solo Sokoa, the Street Fighter of the Islands. Oh, the Uso kid. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, Oni Lorkin got released. Poor guy. Well, at least he showed up for that. <laughs> Uh, Zeta Ramir. Another made up name. I don't believe. Okay. It. You would remember her 
as well okay so she hasn't and again you would remember her so she hasn't been on nxt tv since like may um but she had like dreads and was like a flippy do person not the not one the who's in the tiktok tag team oh okay because i'm worried about the tiktok tag team that's right you know, their time is now i think uh-huh <laughs> and then jesse kamea was let go yeah that i that i vaguely remember that name yeah, uh, I don't think I can't remember the last time she uh, was on a match. So the last time that she was on TV. Oh, you know what? Jesse Kamea was the other girl in the Robert Stone brand. Oh, OK, yeah. I, I feel like not not much good things happen if you're in the Robert Stone brand. Unless you're Robert Stone, I guess you're OK. Yeah, I'd love to see what photographs he has of people that he could mm. just he's just immortal in the WWE. Now, again, this sucks for everyone. Uh, some people have 30-day non-competes. Some people have 90-day no-competes, depending on what your status was uh, on the roster. Either way, this sucks. Um, I know yesterday there was discussion that they let some office staff go. Between me and you, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more releases tomorrow. Yeah. Again, uh, people ask us all the time, why would you want to work for this company? And I get it. The paychecks are probably nice when they're coming in. But, man, if you have choices, it uh, I don't know why you would choose WWE. Especially now. Yeah. You want that WrestleMania moment, but so few people get that. Right, especially these days. Yeah. Oh, well, like I said, I, it's in my dislikes because it sucks that it happens, but I'm not like shaking my fist at the air, you know, because it's just going to happen again and again and again. And the, the the good people will get jobs. Now, I will say this um, from this list. And again, I don't want to say everyone. OK, mm. but again, we're recording this on a, a Thursday night after this happened and stuff is still coming out regarding this. <laughs> That a few of these people were released because they refused to get vaccinated. Oh, I wonder which ones. <laughs> I wonder if any of them have ever gone to, like, Florida City Council meetings. <laughs> well, a couple of them have been reported in the New York Post covering okay. this story. So, Nia Jax, Karen Cross. Um, <laughs> and, again, I'm sure there's maybe more, but... You know, at least I'll give you that as a reason, you know. Yeah. Oh. Um, WWE is attempting to travel overseas. I think they're currently traveling overseas now. Um, there were some people that were very vocal anti-vax type people that are on the tour, which leads me to believe that they did get the vaccine. And I would assume if at least two of the 18 people are publicly being acknowledged in, like, the print media not like the dirt sheet media that they were released because they refused to get the vaccine i guess that's an okay reason yeah good riddance <laughs> yeah that i wonder what the sasha stands would do if she got released for not getting vaccinated mm -hmm. oh they'd leave bix alone for a little while at least yeah <laughs> they'd give him like 30 days <laughs> All right, we so doubled you, up there. What, yeah, you want, you want to go again or you want me to go? Because I think we oh. could double up maybe on one or two more. 
All right, I'm going to. So originally, these were very, two very weak dislikes. So because of the releases, I'm going to combine them into one dislike. And I'm going to say there was a couple bad, in my opinion, bad booking decisions on AEW this past week. And one of them was the ending of Rampage, which was Abaddon versus Britt Baker. They did a very good job of making Abaddon look legitimately scary as fuck. Uh, it was a fun match with thumbtacks and an unbreakable table. And, uh, you know, whatever. They made, did a good job of, like, holy shit, how are we going to stop Abaddon? And then she got beat with, like, a roll-up, which was a very weird and lazy way to, like, defeat a monster. Uh, and the other bad booking thing I'm going to say is... You know, there was a need for a new opponent for Orange Cassidy, and they went with Miro, which, okay, that's fine. I like Miro, but Miro versus Danielson is a match that we've seen in the WWE a bunch of times. Uh, they could have very easily taken anybody else, put them in there against Orange Cassidy, had him barely win that match, continued to sell the hurt ribs, and then have him go go against Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. Uh, and I think that that would have been more of a dream match that I want to see. So just the, those two booking decisions for AEW, uh, independently, I could have used them as dislikes, but I'm going to combine them. Yeah, I'm okay with both those. Um, the Abaddon-Britt Baker match was exactly what it needed to be. I get you her losing on a roll-up, man. Um, but the fact that she was, like, Undertaker no-selling, being, like, curb-stomped through a chair, mm. then, you know, we could... We could put a lot of weight on her and keep her shoulders down for three seconds, you know? <laughs> and Danielson versus Miro is going to be a very different match on pay-per-view in AEW than whatever it was or had been the times that they had wrestled in World Wrestling Entertainment. Well, sure, because, I mean, especially Danielson is a completely different guy than he was in WWE, but I don't know. I want what I want. Right. Uh, so I'll I'll go uh, with a like. Speaking of uh, AEW and speaking of uh, Brian Danielson, hey, how about that Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston match on Rampage, huh? Uh pretty damn good. It's in my likes. <laughs> pretty pretty good way to have a wrestling match on TV, huh? <laughs> uh, so you you take arguably my two favorite wrestlers currently wrestling today. Depending on the day, either one are really interchangeable as number one or number two. Um, and you give them 20 minutes of television time where they literally just clatter the fuck out of each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and it gets them both over, uh, to such an amazing degree. I don't think Eddie and Brian have ever had a match before, or if they have, it's probably been 15 years since they have. So, yeah. um, this match is everything I hoped it would be and more. Um, I think, did we talk about that? I forget. I talk so much into a microphone about professional wrestling or it might've been like, a, uh, direct messages or some shit like that. Um, oh, it was direct messages. Right. Okay. So, um, this does relate because, uh, Friday night Smackdown was from our neck of the woods, right? It was in, yeah. it was at the, uh, Mohegan sun, whatever in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, uh, literally five minutes from my house. And you wouldn't and have gone I, if they gave you a free ticket, too. <laughs> right. I probably could have asked, like, one person, maybe two, and gotten free tickets, you know? Yeah. 
uh, or I could have got like the buy one get three free deal that they were doing like to the day <laughs> of the event. Uh, but a friend of mine went to the show who is an admitted AEW fan, right? Like he is a dyed in the wool. I've got every bullet club shirt club a low guy, and I love him to death for it, right? Uh-huh. Um, you know, he may have publicly stated that he was thinking about getting a Tony Khan tattoo on his neck. <laughs> uh, well, I think he might have to get talked out of that, but um, he went to the show because he's got like kids and he took like a nephew to the show and he had a great time. Yeah. Um, he's like, I haven't watched WWE TV in like so long, but there it was awesome. And he goes, I just wanted to go back and watch it. And it's a completely different show when you watch it live on TV, as opposed to attending it live because what they do to the mix of the crowd. Yeah, no, I and heard it, it kind of sterilizes their product where you go and you see a live event in person, World Wrestling Entertainment, and the home experience of that same live event is not the same. You should watch that on TV, feel that excitement, see that crowd, hear that crowd, and think to yourself, I want to be part of that. When they come to my town, I want to go there. Yeah. WWE doesn't do that. WWE doesn't do that anymore. AEW does. There was no less than like three times on crowd reaction, on false finishes, on moves, whatever it is. I was literally jumping out of my chair with excitement watching Danielson versus Eddie Kingston. Yeah, and there's a point during the match. Like, obviously, Danielson probably one of the most over baby faces in all of wrestling right now. And, like, he's fighting Eddie. Eddie collapses and Danielson goes in for the kill, like starts doing like a ground and pound and like he's getting booed because Eddie Kingston is so sympathetic. And the fact that he collapsed from the, the like the attack, uh, you know, it's just amazing that like he has the crowd in the palm of his hands like that. And, and uh, you know, there was a, a point where Eddie does the back fist uh, to Eddie uh, to Danielson. And once again, this just like a couple weeks ago, Danielson versus. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Suzuki? Who did he wrestle a couple weeks ago? Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, yes. Minoru Suzuki. Uh, I had commented that, like, nobody looks like they're legitimately knocked out like Danielson. And, like, Eddie Kingston does the spinning back fist to Danielson, and Danielson just drops like a sack of bricks. Like, there were so many oh shit moments in that match, you know? Right. And then both get the standing ovation at the end. It, it was an amazing presentation from start to finish. And yep. Joe, I will say that this leads into my other like, which started with an interview of CM Punk backstage. Oh, that boy. Was interrupted by a very belligerent and angry Eddie Kingston, a man who refused to shake the hand of Brian Danielson. And then you just hear him yelling uh, like, I didn't tap out. He's like, I didn't give up. Why'd you ring the fucking bell? Like that kind of shit. It was getting bleeped out and like CM Punk's kind of grinning. And uh, Kingston says, keep talking shit. What are you smiling for? Keep talking shit. And that led to obviously this past week on dynamite, you know, CM Punk came out. He's, he's adding to that bunny. Joe, like he keeps adding to it. I don't care what you say. And he gives a, a speech about Moxley and then starts shooting on uh, shooting on Kingston. And we're going to get CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston, which I I know you're at least half happy for. I'm fully happy for it. Well, they're just going to have a confrontation on Dynamite or on, on Rampage this week, Adam. 
Well, hopefully it leads to a match at the pay-per-view then. It's going to be a match at the pay-per-view. Yeah. <laughs> um, not in my likes, but this was awesome as well. Um, just kind of the way that things flow into each other. Um, Eddie Kingston's going to make a fool to see him punk. <laughs> um, you know, we go back many years ago. Let's we let's take you back, ladies and gentlemen, to 2003, when uh, young upstart CM Punk was just cutting his teeth in Ring of Honor. Uh, he was still reciting things verbatim. Um, he was having bland matches on the undercard with C.W. Anderson and people of that ilk. And then all of a sudden, a magical man from was released from his contract at Stamford. Uh, he had been there for a long time, especially when he was rehired. Vince looked at him and said, who the hell hired Raven? So Raven comes to Ring of Honor and he sees this kid punk. He's like, "Nah, let me give this kid a shot. And Raven sprinkles the good Raven dust on CM Punk, not the stuff that he keeps for himself, um, (laughs) and made CM Punk a star. Okay. Now, Adam, you may not know this, and we've talked about this a couple times, but wrestling is fake. It's predetermined. What? It's all agreed upon. Yes, I know. Um, but there are very there's times in the world um, where that suspension of disbelief gets blurred for me. And in 2003, um, I was not a CM Punk fan as a wrestler. Uh, I had not had the opportunity. Oh, there's that word, word again. Uh, to have personal interactions with him where he would be a dickbag to me on multiple occasions. Um, but Raven was arguably my favorite wrestler in, at the time, arguably my favorite promotion, Ring of Honor. And their feud kind of blurred that line of, you know, fantasy and reality and sports entertainment for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm starting to get those feelings again from the Eddie Kingston <laughs> bunk stuff. <laughs> We're going to see how Friday Night Rampage goes and see uh, how CM Punk gets blistered by Eddie Kingston, uh, (laughs) which I'm sure will be heavily and often. I I think you're hoping that CM Punk uh, asks permission to Mr. Kingston before he says anything backstage. You know, like, uh, Eddie, I'm going to say this. Is that okay? Because if it turns into just a freestanding, like, verbal spar, uh, Kingston will murder him. And that's not withstanding what would happen physically, right? <laughs> yeah, everyone likes to think that CM Punk's a good promo. <laughs> it's going to be very interesting when you see him in the ring with someone who cuts the best promo in wrestling, and then CM Punk has to bumblefuck his way through a, re- a-, a retort. <laughs> good luck, everyone. Uh, just like Danielson got briefly booed when he was wrestling uh, Kingston, I wonder how many boos are going to come down on Mr. Punk. All of them in this house. Well, yeah, other than in your household. <laughs> uh, so I'll do another like, and this will just be a quick one. Um, while it really sucks, um, you know, obviously the the circumstances of this, but it does make it into my likes in the fact that John Moxley has decided to take care of himself. He was in the midst of a big program, a big angle on TV, possibly a reworking of his character, possibly leading to pay-per-view match with Brian Danielson. Um, but obviously his health and his well-being 
is more important and your health and well-being is always more important than most everything. But it takes a very big person to make that choice to actually get the help at the sacrifice of whatever may be going on in your 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 uh, personal life, your public life, your your business life, whatever. Uh, to take that time to make yourself better, not only for you, but for your family, your friends, and so forth. Um, a lot more people said it much more eloquently than I have. Even Punk on Dynamite this week, I think, really kind of handled things in a very classy way. And, you know, also on social media, Tony Khan handled things in a very classy way. I think the best that you can in a situation like this. And, you know, I'm glad to see AEW, at least for now, you know, things can always turn the tide, Um, you know, handling situations like this, um, not like as a freak show element, not as something to be exploited, but something to hopefully inform and uh, handle in as um, respectful as a way to the family as possible. Yeah. And obviously, one of the things I've seen on the Internet the last couple of days is, you know, people saying like, oh, it is tough for a wrestler, especially one that's at the top of the card, top of the game to to take that time away. Because they're, not only are they worried about, you know, getting themselves taken care of, but they're worried about losing their spot or, you know, am I going to if I disappear, will they love me when I come back? And, you know, John Moxley's on such a God run that, you know, he could take as much time as he needs, you know, wh- however long it is. I have no concept of, you know, what this will take and it'll take as long as it'll take. But when he does come back, you know, the crowd will embrace him like like he never left, you know, so uh, good for him for getting the help and good for AEW once again for seemingly, you know, being a good company that's willing to help people out when they're in those situations. All right, well, that's that's all my likes and dislikes, Joe. Uh, so I got one more dislike. Um, again, I apologize. I'm just looking to see. Yeah, okay. I was looking to see, because just as you know, it says that um, not named, but at least four. Now, we're up to four of the people uh, that were released were due to refusal to uh, get the vaccine, you know? Mm. Interesting. Right. And I'm sure we'll find out more. Uh, you know, as as the world and life goes on, and if there are more releases tomorrow, um, that's it there. And then I got one more dislike. Okay. Yep. Um, and again, if this feels a little rehearsed, I want to apologize only because I did get a chance to have this conversation, uh, in person with two people this week and multiple times in the DMs this week, mm-hmm. multiple. Multiple times in the DMs this week. (laughs) So this past Sunday at a baseball stadium in New Jersey, the H2O promotion held an event that was headlined by Matt Tremont taking on Ashuti Onita of the FMW fame, currently of FMWE, deathmatch legend, uh, featured player in the dark side of the ring. Uh, about FMW. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it or if you saw any of the the GIFs online of this. 
I got all my news from We Need Wrestling on this one. Okay. Um, so it was crazy. Um, Matt Tremont got pretty fucked up. Um, you know, from being set on fire three times hmm. uh, during the course of the match. Um, but that in and of itself, the match was not the issue, but it was more so of how Onita got there. Uh, the Friday night before, the Saturday night before, um, Onita, as part of his deal to come over to the States, did a virtual signing with Rob Feinstein. Um, Adam, you, you know who Rob Feinstein is, right? I do, unfortunately. Okay. So, um, Rob Feinstein is a bad person. Okay. Uh, the fact that he's still allowed in the world of professional wrestling uh, makes wrestling bad. And all you or we can do as wrestlers, uh, people involved in wrestling, fans of wrestling, is to speak with your dollars and speak with your reputation and not be involved with Rob Feinstein. Now, it is my understanding, and again, not confirmed, but my understanding that the deal to bring Onita to the States was initially brokered by Onita and Feinstein. Once everything was squared away, Onita then contacted uh, Matt Tremont and said, I'm going to be in the States on these dates. Uh, can we get a show together? And that's how that came to be. Now, um, Rob Feinstein was at the show handling Onita's uh, merchandise and the FMWE stuff and the photo opportunities and the meet and greets and everything else like that. So as the word of this was coming across social media, uh, a lot of people on the show were being chastised and obviously they were on the show, possibly wrestling at the time, maybe not checking their phones or whatever it is. And I had said, a majority of these people are going to say, I didn't know he was there. He never came into the locker room. I'm just finding this out now. And I jokingly tweeted that out. And I only wish that the multiple people on the show that practically took that ver and said that verbatim at least credited me for saying that. <laughs> um, now, I'm not going to call out the liars who had merchandise either across from or next to Rob Feinstein at the show. I'm not going to call out the wrestlers that definitely walked past him during intermission while they were glad handing with fans and getting their marked pictures with Onita. Um, and I'm not going to take the task, the people that try to claim that they're cleaning up professional wrestling. And we're still on a show that Rob Feinstein was indirectly involved with. Okay. I'll take you all at your word. Even though five years ago when Onita came over to wrestle for CCW, the deal was brokered and handled by Rob Feinstein. It was five years ago, right? Mm. There's been a pandemic for the last two years. Everything seems, time seems nebulous, right? Yeah. Maybe yeah. you forgot, okay? And maybe you didn't know Rob Feinstein was there, even though he and Onita did a virtual signing the day before. And your merchandise was in the same vicinity as him. And you walk by him during intermission. I'll take you at your word, okay? But during the show, after the show, they hyped up that Onita was going to come back to the States uh, to do another show or event or something like that in April, six months from now. So you folks have uh, 
two options, I would say. One is if you're going to be involved with that show in any way, shape, or form, you have six months to figure out a way to get Onita to the United States without involving Rob Feinstein. So you could avoid this sort of discourse in six months. Because I won't forget in six months, and I'm sure a lot of other people won't forget in six months either. (laughs) Yeah. Or your other option can be, say, I don't give a shit about working with someone who allegedly tried to pick up a 14-year-old boy in a chat room, allegedly. And I don't mind uh, working with someone who allegedly forges signatures of deceased wrestlers on merchandise. I'm okay with working with someone who is a not alleged bootlegger of combat sports, VHS and DVDs, yet still sues other people and sends some people to jail for bootlegging his bootlegs. That one's proven in court. Uh, So I don't have to say allegedly there, but that you are okay with working with someone who does all those things and possibly even worse. And uh, you now have six months to work up your excuse and your lie that you were unaware and so forth. Um, If you really want wrestling to be better, don't let Rob Feinstein into your wrestling. Tommy Dreamer, when he ran his House of Hardcore shows, Rob Feinstein was at all of those shows. Uh, There's a line of conventions that's called like Heroes of uh, Heroes and Villains of Wrestling, I think it's called, that runs at the ECW arena on the regular, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's done by Feinstein, right? And listen, I'm a bit of a hypocrite as well, because there's been a few times uh, before they kind of took all of their stuff in house where Hawkins and Broski would do virtual signings. With Feinstein. Uh, Raven has done virtual signings with Feinstein. Terry Funk has done virtual signings with Rob Feinstein. Um, Someone who is one of the biggest proponents against this sort of stuff, Jim Cornette, was doing stuff with Rob Feinstein as recently as five years ago. So, a lot of your favorites probably have worked and do work still with Rob Feinstein. Just don't support those projects. If Rob Feinstein's running a show or he's in an event, I had people contact me and say, you know, in my state, in my country, in my whatever, when my word, alleged pedophiles show up at our events, we throw them out. And then I said, well, I didn't know he was there. He didn't come into the locker room and I'm just finding out about it now. Don't let Rob Feinstein in in your wrestling. You want wrestling to be better? He's a big, giant red flag in the world of professional wrestling to keep out. Where were all the people that over WrestleMania weekend were so quick to toss Teddy Hart out of their show? Some of them that were on this show, but did nothing about Rob Feinstein. I could make the argument that Rob Feinstein's worse than Teddy Hart. Just with less jail time. Um, and at some point, silence and like not doing anything about it. I don't want to say it's an endorsement, but you don't care, you know? Right. And if you don't care, just say you don't care. Let us know. 
Don't yeah. lie and say, I didn't know he was there. He never came in the locker room. I'm just finding out about it now because I know you're lying. Yeah. So like you mentioned in April will be the next show. So mm-hmm. look at the people that are on that show and well, look to the- see if it look to see if Feinstein is the one that brought Onita over. Yeah, I, but that's what I'm saying. Like if if he did bring him over and then look at the people who are on that show and just don't believe a bit of nonsense that they say. Because at that point, they can't plead ignorance. Right. And you can just be like, all right, I'm going to have to make a decision <laughs> if you are going to be somebody that I not necessarily support, but just give a shit about going forward, you know? Right. Exactly. <sighs> what a downer, Joe. You always have hey, to man. Down. blame wrestling, you know? <laughs> uh, all right. Well. I think it's time to talk about homework. 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 It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Yeah, not as snackable as a show as you hoped, Adam. I'm sorry. Well, well, we could just breeze through homework, I feel like. You wanna? Well, uh, there's not a lot of meat on the bone, if you ask me. <laughs> well, if you want a little bit more information, I'd be remiss not to mention, go check out our friend Kevin Hellions over at Mask Library. He always does a write-up of whatever homework we assign, and this time, uh, Adam assigned the Nightmare Factory Student Showcase number three. Uh, now I'll say this: I was excited to watch this. Yeah. Uh, the first one was okay, better than I expected. The second one was actually pretty good, and I was optimistic for what the third one would bring. Before you go over anything on here, where would you say that you would rank this one in relation to the other two? Strongest recommendation to avoid. <laughs> All right, I'm just making sure because I watched this. And I was like, oh, man, everything that there were little things in the first two that I really liked. And none of that happened in this one. Like there, all the charm was gone, I feel like. But well, go ahead. I'll, I'll try to be as positive as possible. Uh, it'll be tough. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I will say this. Um, because of my mindset on wrestling, I would like to make a special mention to Luke Sampson and Brooke Havoc. Do you know who Luke Sampson and Brooke Havoc are, Adam? Uh, I just know that they were the commentators. They are the commentary team, Adam. And they are maybe the worst commentary team I've ever heard in my entire goddamn life. <laughs> um, No energy. I don't think they were listening to each other. They would just say the most inane things at the most inopportune times. Um, And we'll get to it when we get to it, but... I, I, this may have, uh, caveat, this may have been the first time they've ever seen wrestling. <laughs> See, I didn't think Luke Sampson was as bad as you're saying. Like, Brooke Havoc was very bad. Like, Brooke Havoc was, like, me on commentary bad, I feel like, when I was listening to it. But I will defer to you if, you know, obviously I don't have as critical of an ear when it comes to commentary as you do. Adam, if you're the, if you're the worst commentator... 
Um, you can give your crown to Brooke Havoc. Sweet. <laughs> now I'll say this. Um, th- so everyone on the show is named like a new generation world wrestling entertainment superstar or a Chikara superstar where everyone has like a multiple value proposition name. Yeah, and uh, a lot of them don't make sense together. Like, at the very beginning, you have a guy named the Canadian Destroyer Raiden. The original Canadian Destroyer. <laughs> they alternate. Sometimes they call him the Canadian Destroyer. Sometimes they call him the original Canadian Destroyer Raiden, who's a guy, like, in a Jason X mask. Yeah, and, like, a mohawk, and he's four foot two. <laughs> right. Taking on Lightning Parker Lee. Um, I think... Lightning Parker Lee has something. Stick to it, kid. Mm-hmm. Um, at two different times, he attempts to do like the Tajiri back handspring elbow into the ropes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. kind of comes up short both times. This match was filled with a lot of like, hold on, I'm gonna watch you climb the ropes, and I'll stand here waiting to catch you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and this, uh, Lightning Parker Lee beats the original Canadian Destroyer with, uh, Canadian Destroyer, technically the Panama Sunrise, but you catch my drift. (laughs) And quite possibly one of the worst matches I've had to watch on television in a long time. Uh, this was probably the second best match in the show. Really? In my opinion, yeah, because the rest of it's kind of shitty. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll go on. I, I disagree with you. I think I, there's a couple matches that I like more than that. Okay. So next we get undeniable Michael Martinez with the silver Fox caveat here on commentary. Sometimes they call him Michael. Sometimes they call him Marco. Take, <laughs> take your pick. It's either one. Um, and his opponent is the assassin AK 47. Now, when I hear that name, I think to myself, the assassin, AK-47. I'm thinking a guy who's doing like a gangster gimmick, whether it be like a Tony D'Angelo gangster gimmick or like a nouveau gangster gimmick or something. I'm not thinking a skinny, balding white guy who seems to be cold. <laughs> he's constantly like, ooh, it's so, it's chilly in here. <laughs> like, right. He's He's constantly like chilly for some reason. And I don't really understand it, right? Um, so I'll say this. Um, the Assassin AK-47 uh, has some good moves, but I would start wearing a mask immediately because he looks like a 50-year-old man. <laughs> and we'll see the Silver Fox later on, but he's terrible. <laughs> He's basically doing the smart Mark Sterling gimmick, you know, like, but only instead of a lawyer, he's a salesman, but it's all the same exact cut and paste stuff. So next up, we get Sand Sun and Coach Young taking on Don Texera and Pretty Poppy. Now, you wouldn't know this because they put up the graphics for match one for this match. Um, as bad as the commentary is on this, the production is worse. You can't hear the, the ring announcer. Um, everyone's mic'd weird. Um, the commentary like is 
sometimes too high and sometimes too low. And they have that really fancy in-between match graphic that they go to. But when you fuck up on a post-produced thing that you put out to promote your school and you can't even get the fucking Chiron graphics right, then fuck you. <laughs> and also Dom to share and Pretty Poppy, also known as Rum and Coke. Right, also known as Rum and Coke. Um, Sandstone has a future when Cody turns heel and decides to do a gimmick on an episode of Dynamite where he brings out, quote-unquote, Malachi Black to humiliate him, and it's just this guy. <laughs> um, yeah, he looks like one of the Viking Raiders that was left in the dryer for too long. <laughs> yeah. Coach Young is I, but he's now the first of no less than three people on the show whose gimmick is I do push-ups as well. <laughs> I, I will say that Coach Young, that his whole shtick, and it's not an original stick, shtick, but obviously it's like I'm going to keep tagging myself in every time the bigger, you know, and I use that term lightly, Sanson, you know, gets in some offense. Coach Young comes in to, you know, take the heat and try to get the pin. Uh, I did in, I don't want to say enjoy, but it was, it was less objectionable than everything else I had seen so far. Yeah. Yeah, like he'd be good, like on a a shitbag Tennessee show, taking on the progressive liberal uh, managed by Bo James or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um. So for some reason, Sandstone turns on Coach Young. Like they do the gimmick where Sandstone hits his big move, he goes for the pin. Coach Young says, "No, no, I want to be tagged in." So Sandstone willingly tags in Coach Young. Let's Coach Young go for the pin. One, two, then pulls Coach Young off. They argue that he lays Coach Young out. Horribly put together finish of the match. Whoever was the agent for this should not be allowed to agent matches in professional wrestling ever. Maybe the agent is a trainee from the 12-week camp. Mm. They have a class on agenting. Mm. I have a <laughs> class on agenting. Don't do this. <laughs> Uh, next up, we have Sweets, Sweet Cheeks Joey Silver taking on the storybook Prince Gaston. <laughs> um, now, again, I know it's supposed to be Gaston because I've seen Beauty and the Beast. The ring announcer and commentators are reading off a piece of paper, so they keep calling him Gaston. At one point, I'm pretty sure uh, the female, what was it, Brooke Havoc says, I think it's supposed to be Gaston. Like, right. It was probably I think, like three I'm not away. sure. I'm only <laughs> speaking into a microphone to do the commentary on this show. Who knows what this guy's name is? <laughs> if only there was a way. If only I had ever seen these people before we went on the air. <laughs> um, This match was fine. Um, There was nothing objectively bad in it. But there was also nothing objectively good in it. Now, they do advertise this as these people are coming to, like, a 12-week fantasy camp. And they lie as part of the production of this and say that these people are having their first matches ever. Which is not true. A lot of these people have been wrestling just elsewhere for a very long time. But we're supposed to buy into these are people living out their dream to become professional wrestlers. Whatever. Um, and they just, like hey, here's a bunch of spots that we've seen in other matches. Let's do them in our fantasy match. So, like, copy an A, get an A, I guess? 
but like you're getting an incomplete because like you did a bunch of stuff that I recognize, but I don't think you understand why you did the stuff that I recognize. Yeah, like they do the Eddie Guerrero chair spot only with a book, you know, yeah. where like, you know, Gaston like fakes that he got hit. But I feel like they were told about the spot and they probably never seen it before, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But I will say I wrote down in my notes here that this was the first decent slash competent match of the card. And that I can actually see, like, out of all the just garbage, generic, creator wrestler gimmicks that we've had so far, like, storybook Prince Gaston is actually the first one that I'm like, oh, I'd like to see this character, like, vignettes, you know, just of the obnoxious Disney prince, you know, as a heel. Like, I can see that as being good if it was done well, if that makes sense. Right, okay, so Kevin uh, in his write-up mentions that he looks less like Gaston and more like Janos from Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> so there's multiple, like, so this gimmick, I think, has to be, like, the the idea of the gimmick is perfect, okay? Uh, it's very NXT 2-point glow, but it needs to be on a guy that looks like Gaston from the Beauty and the Beast movies, Right. Mm-hmm. somebody who's big, somebody who's got a strong chin, somebody that's got a full head of hair, you know, these sort of things are key to being a storybook prince. But then I think to myself, one of my favorite gimmicks in wrestling is the guy whose gimmick is that he's a heartthrob and ladies man, but looks like a sack of shit, like Joel <laughs> Gertner or something, right? Yeah. So like, but that's the, I don't think the guy who plays this Gaston is going in for that idea. I think he really thinks he's a good-looking man. <laughs> Thus not getting the own irony of his own gimmick. <laughs> it's a decent gimmick, though. Just miscast. Right, miscast. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Miscast. He, he picked the wrong one out of the box of gimmicks. It was either this or the Red Rooster, and, you know. Yeah. I, uh, was, I was just going to say, the next two matches are interchangeable. I, I completely zoned out. They were so unmemorable. Okay, so I'm going to disagree with you, and I'm going to say the next match, uh, which was yours rudely, Trevor Outlaw, uh, who has his own merchandise because he healed on a fan in the crowd that feel that fan of the crowd, Nasty Leroy, who does stuff for GCW. Um, I'll just say Nasty Leroy gets to wrestle for GCW, but he does the Nightmare Family thing, and they don't even let him wrestle, and it just goes... Tell you something. Um, But he then takes on the protagonist of wrestling, Kid Bandit. Uh, I remember the gifts of this when the when this first came out a couple months ago. And like the gif of um, Kid Bandit doing the Phoenix Splash off the top. Right. Mm. Um, Looked awesome. And then watching this match, I'm like, okay, kid can do a Phoenix Splash. That's a start. I've seen so many wrestlers in the last 10 years get a look, get a push, even get signed by World Wrestling Entertainment because they could do one big flippy move really, really good. Uh, Kid Bandit needs to work on a couple things. Uh, They do a bit where Kid gets crotched on the top rope and they don't really sell it facially as much when you get hit in the nuts. Um, You should kind of really oversell that a bit, especially since some of the camera shots that they used in this match kind of accentuate how a move like that would hurt Kid Bandit more than others, (laughs) if you catch my drift. (laughs) 
Um, but I, I say that I'd like this match the most because this was a match of the, and I mentioned it before, of the Raven special. These guys had like three or four moves that they could do really well, and they did them. They both could use a lot of work, but if I'm picking two people from this show that I'm like, who could I do something with? It's these two. Okay. I just kind of was bored by it at that point. You okay. Know? They did nothing to win me, like, to to bring the crowd back around. Like, the crowd in my household, consisting of me, was already dead at this point. So, the next match is the independent variable, Ishmael <laughs> Vaughn, taking on the real McCoy, JDX. That name's a tribute to his grandma, you know. <laughs> they told me that on commentary. Uh, and uh, in my my line of the night from Brooke Havoc on commentary, um, oh, oh uh, a variable Ishmael is another guy who's part of his gimmick is that he does push-ups. <laughs> um, but during the match when uh, Ishmael Vaughn is on uh, is on the offense in the most bland monotone way ever, Brooke Havoc says, and I cl- I quote, you know. I, I, there's no way I can match her intensity. So, unfortunately, you'll have to pretend that I'm saying this as dull as dishwater. <laughs> you know, Ishmael's the purest blood athlete <laughs> on either side of the Mississippi. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck are we doing, guys? Come on. I'm on we get Glacier back out here to do commentary. You're fucking killing me. Um, well... Well, Joe, it's a 12-week commentary boot camp, oh too. My God. <laughs> I'd put a stop payment on those checks, guys. You might have got you got I mean you might got you might have got fleeced by the nightmare factory. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, so this match is like dull and bland. These are guys that like, well, I got 25 cool moves, and I could do three of them pretty good, so we're gonna do them all in this match. This match had no heat. There was nothing to do this match. This was the match where I'm like, all right, let's get this fucking thing over. And then I saw there was like 40 minutes left. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, next up we have the the Nightmare Rumble, which uh-huh. I'm like, hey, I like Battle Royals. I'll like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's uh, your typical Royal Rumble where people just come in intermittently. Uh, this is run on not. On not Titan time, but Cody time, I guess. <laughs> um, where people just, you know, randomly they start counting to 10. We don't know why. We never see a clock. We're never told an interval. Uh, but it starts with three people, not two people. And all three people cut boring, rambling, nonsense promos beforehand. Yeah, the third guy to come out, the Abraham Storm, the one who was wearing, like, sunglasses and looks like he never met a gym. Uh, like, I wrote down that that could possibly have been the worst promo I've ever seen in the history of, like, wrestling. Like, it was the most cliched thing. It was a, it was literally you were just picking promo lines out of a hat, too. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not going to go over everyone on this. Uh, so the winner of this Nightmare Rumble gets a singles match immediately afterwards with the top person from this third class of the Nightmare Factory. Yeah. And, and Joe, I I was very confused because 
they they were intermittent with throwing up the Chirons. And when that luchador came out that was wearing a mask, they were like, uh, it's so-and-so, Dean Alexander. And then it was like, all right, is it just a nickname that I missed? And so in my notes, I wrote down Dean Alexander. And then there was a big surprise at the end that like, no, it was actually Dean Alexander the whole time, you fools. Like the commentary team didn't know that like this guy was trying to pretend to be somebody else. And it's Mm -hmm. not like we would know because we have no fucking clue who they are. And the guy had tights on that said Alexander. Like the whole thing was just a clusterfuck and it made no sense. So uh, again, not going to name everyone that was in this. Um, but it was a lot of people from the first and second classes that come back in this for some reason. I'm not really sure why. I guess Cody fleeced them twice for the the whatever. <laughs> Maybe they asked for a refund. He said, best I could do is let you take the course again. <laughs> right. But a special note to someone that was in this, uh, Jess Barnes. And I forget what cute little, like, name they gave her in this. Yeah, I didn't have her nick. At this point, I gave up on writing down nicknames. <laughs> right. So you, uh, obviously here watching this several months afterwards, Adam, you may not remember uh, Jess uh, Jess Barnes, but I'm sitting here watching and I'm like, why does she look familiar? Why do I know who this person is? So I go throw it in the Google machine and. And Adam, she had a little bit of a internet celebrity about three months ago. Uh-oh, what'd she do? Well, let me get out this list. <laughs> um, So she's a racist. Okay. She's an anti-vaxxer. And she faked a COVID test so that she could be part of this event. <laughs> oh, fucking Christ. <laughs> So we had a celebrity in the main event thing. Adam, it was great to see. It made me happy. (laughs) All right, then. Well, it's a good thing that Barnes loses. Dean Alexander steals a victory because, like, they did the gimmick where he was hidden for a while and we all forgot about him. And uh, there was, like, a sloppy ending. I don't know. Whatever. It was very bad. I don't know how you screw up a rumble. Yeah, so, again, to book a rumble with a fuck finish with a bunch of green people, like, we're just, we're just, like, it's like, how many bad ideas could we get in here? It's like, well, we have a girl who's racist. Is she anti-vax? Well, and she also <laughs> faked her COVID test? Put her in there and give her, like, a big featured run, you know? Yeah, as she just, like, eliminates all the people of color, now that I'm thinking of it. Mm. <laughs> She's probably having a freaking her dream night. (laughs) So Dean Alexander is someone that's good. He's not great. We've seen him in the two previous showcases. He's obviously someone that they have an idea for. I don't think this was it. Uh, He wrestles the top student of the third class, who's Brandon Gore, uh, who is we've now hit double digits on bland white guys and cut off T-shirts coming (laughs) through the Nightmare Factory. And this was just mostly like Jace or Dean Alexander working like a regular match with a dude that, you know, Dean Alexander ends up losing on a fluke. Yeah, there's like a ref bump or something like another ref comes out or something. Right. Yeah. Katie Hebner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this sucked. Uh, strongest recommendation to avoid. And Joe, you you are not even mentioning 
what I had hoped was going to be a silver lining to this whole nightmare, no pun intended, is that, like, I'm like, all right, this show sucks, but it's almost over. And at the end, at least I'm going to get my goddamn Dark Order. At least I'm going to get Anna J. And there was none, Joe. Out of all the, like, the things that I would have put up with, if they just ended this with the Dark Order and Negative One and Anna J coming out, it all would have been better. But for whatever reason, they're like, no, that one thing, that one thing that made everything okay, we're not going to give people that. Oh, I was so mad. I was like, I, I ate freaking two hours of vegetables waiting for my dessert, and I didn't get it. <laughs> right, so, and again, this is another thing. So this is an hour 45 long. It's technically, as we look here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight matches, which includes the Rumble. Um, every single one of these matches should have been cut down by minimally two to three minutes. At least, At least. Cut, cut them in half and then cut them in half again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Economy of time, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And I don't know about you. I don't have that, that gimmick with YouTube where I pay for it. I had a commercial every 15 seconds. <laughs> uh, that's on you, pal. I don't know what uh. to tell you. <laughs> we'll talk. All right. <laughs> Anyways, um, it was I hated it. Can't wait for the fourth one, Joe. <laughs> oh yes. Well. So uh being the dumb fuck that I am, I thought the uh AEW pay-per-view was this weekend and not next weekend. So I had to kind of hastily throw together what my homework assignment was gonna be. Uh I was gonna pick and choose some stuff from the two October Chikara 2012 shows. Uh, but I looked at them and I'm like, eh, there's nothing really knocking my socks off here. But the November 10th, 2012 Chikara show entitled Zelda the Great is looking to be a top to bottom uh, star studded affair. And that's what we'll be watching for next week. Okay. We have the Soul Touches, uh, Midwest standouts and favorites, taking on the Batiri, Devastation Corporation taking on Wayne Campbell and Garth Algar. <laughs> Wayne and Garth, I get it. <laughs> uh, El, El Generico taking on The Shard. And if you know, you know. <laughs> uh, and that match. And again, I don't want to tip my hand. Uh, I think that match. Oh, hang on. You know what? If only I. No, I didn't write down the time in that. Um, uh, that match is like real short and real good. Okay, uh, like Gargano that. and uh, Chuck Taylor taking on Soldier Ant and Deviant. Uh, Mike Quackenbush taking on Colt Cabana, Jigsaw, Fire Ant, and Assailant taking on the Bravados and Jimmy Jacobs, Granakuma taking on Tim Donst. Uh, the main event is the Young Bucks defending the Campionos de Parejas against Hollow Wicked and Ultramantis Black. But I think the match that's going to interest you, Adam, is a four corner tag elimination match, which is 3.0. Uh, taking on the throwbacks of Dasher Hatfield and Mr. Touchdown against Icarus and Sugar Dunkerton, taking on the mysterious and handsome stranger and his tag team partner for the contest, Sweet Sapphire. <laughs> All right. Yep. Yep. That's the main event in any arena. <laughs> so I'll say this, Adam. Uh, you know, there was Mysterious and Handsome Strangers matches on the other two shows, but this, I'm going to say this, that this is a major plot 
uh, advancement in the character of the mysterious and handsome stranger. Now, I know you might be thinking, oh, Joe's spoiling things on me. I'm not, Adam. Okay. There's no way you could guess what happens in this match. (laughs) And if you've seen this match before, I just reminded you of what happens in this match. (laughs) All right. I'm looking. I'm very much looking forward to that match. I'm looking at the card in front of me, thinking of what I would potentially fast forward through. Uh, There's not a lot of stuff I want to skip on here, but... uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, looks looks all right. There's there's some matches involving some people that I can care less about, but the problem is that they're wrestling people I do like. Right. <laughs> you know? And and that's part of the reason why I didn't assign you the event centers for this one, because there may be long promos from a certain person that you're thinking of. Yeah. All right. All right. Any of those, so, any of those event centers have uh have uh Mike Bennett? No. Oh, man, because I really want to watch every show that he's on. I told you that. <laughs> he doesn't pop back up in Chikara again until National Pro Wrestling Day, like, next year. Ah, oh, damn it. I need more Mike Bennett. And I know. We, might go to the ring with him. <laughs> we we all do. <laughs> uh, so not collapsible, but at least uh, shrinkable. Uh, Dark Side of the Ring finale. Yeah, I, I didn't care for it. Kind of boring. Really? It was just a, I mean, it was... Yeah, I mean, if you've never heard of any of this stuff before, I'm sure it's interesting. It was well-made. I'm sure it was well-researched. I was bored. Nothing really, no no new uh, no new sizzle on that stake for me. Yeah, this was just kind of some extraneous stuff to a story that I know pretty well from, you know, various reasons. Them getting Jerry McDivitt to actually be on camera and talk about it. Um, I'll say this, Jerry McDivitt's a convincing motherfucker. <laughs> yeah you know i see why that jury found vince innocent you know well that and the neck brace yeah right <laughs> uh i hope uh nobody else in the world of professional wrestling that may have a legal battle coming up soon decides to take a page out of vince's book for their upcoming uh trial <laughs> but yeah i mean like i said it was Oh, another well-done episode of Dark Side of the Ring, but for me, I was just, eh, I, I literally didn't write anything down because nothing, I didn't really want to talk about anything coming out of it. You know, I was underwhelmed. No, no problem. We're done. It's off the list. We don't have to worry about it till next season. Yay. What are we going to get next season? Have you gotten the inside scoop? No, no scoops. Um, Again, I'd still want an eight-part series about the steroid trial. <laughs> um... I think you can get one on, well, you have to be careful about this one, the Maivia side of the Anawai family. <laughs> Some suspect I, things have gone on there. I think that if they want to, like, I don't want to say phone in a season, mm-hmm. but you can very easily do a season full of, here's stuff based on the other things we've already done, but we couldn't fit it in an ep- in the season. You know, like, here's more of the XPW stuff, as you talked about, you know, a couple weeks ago with their expansion to the East Coast. Here's more FMW Onita stuff. Here's, you know, like, whatever. Just stuff we didn't fit in the previous episodes. Uh, I'll go one better in the in the uh, the case of laziness. You know, they've already got a uh, friend of the show, David Bixenspan, on as a researcher, right? Uh-huh. Um, you know, he on their Patreon show for Between the Sheets himself and uh chris zellner they've done so many patreon specials on stuff like this you want to do global wrestling federation mix probably already has the research on that 
Yeah. You want to do the end of world-class championship wrestling. You know, we've got Von Erich stuff, but we could get into, like, how the promotion fell apart. I'm sure Bix has got the paperwork on that one still lying around somewhere. <laughs> you want to get into the various people that were in charge of WCW before Eric Bischoff took over. Your Jim Hurds, your Kip Fries, your your uh, Bill Wattses. Bix has all that stuff somewhere as well, you know? Um, yeah. You want to talk about, like, all the lies of ECW and their dealings with TNN. You could do that. You want to do a story about the Sid Vicious Arn Anderson stabbing uh, in the UK, you know? You want to talk about Vince fucking Jim Crockett promotions out of pay-per-view in 1987. You've got that sort of stuff. You know, there's so much stuff that they really can get into. You can get in WWF, like, trying to exploit the Iraqi war with the Sergeant Slaughter stuff. There's a ton of stuff that they can get into. That, I like I said, Bix and Chris have already done the legwork on. That all you got to do is just turn an audio podcast into a 44-minute television show. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, you know what I think should be on the short list of things uh, for next year's Dark Side of the Ring? Oh, I think I have the same idea. And that would be the handling or mishandling in the current uh, gender-neutral monarch of At Odds with Wrestling. And by mishandling, obviously, all of the blame is not being pointed towards me, right? We're not. I'm not going down with this ship. This is all on somebody else. Well, listen, I just want to see talking heads of the parties involved and having to treat this like a real thing on television. <laughs> That's my sickness. That's the thing I want to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, for those who have not been following on Twitter, some uh, some interesting stuff happened this week regarding the gender-neutral monarch tournament. Uh, uh, somebody, uh, another podcast, let's call it Pod Van Dam. Uh, we won't single anyone out specifically from that show, but uh, somebody uh, might have gotten a little overzealous with tweeting out in support of their champion hook and uh things happened things happened i don't know if you want to you want me to go ahead and just go down the results first and then we can talk about the fallout afterwards sure all right so i'm gonna actually start from uh the other side of the bracket so we can work our way back to the most controversial thing so starting on the bottom right corner of the bracket we had the matchup of hollow wicked and stiffy mcgee joshua bishop and with 63% of the vote, percent percent of the vote, Hollowick it advances. Uh, no so, surprise there. Um, no, no knock on Josh. Um, you know, dark horse candidate, but he he pulled a, a tough spot in the opening round. Yeah. Second round. Yeah, second round, second round. So uh, above him, so facing Hollowick it will be the winner of this next matchup. And this is actually the closest matchup of this round, Joe. And that is the strongest man in all the land, Arthur McArthur. Uh, that of Arthur 
EW Wrestling. I don't know how that that goes, but uh, he faced Joslyn Navarro, and with 56% of the vote, Navarro advances to face Hollow Wicked. So, like I said, I, I do my best to avoid how the results go on these sort of things before we record. I find them out on the air. I know Arthur was uh, lobbying very hard uh, to get this, and I just want to say all of you that voted against Arthur, uh, you're going to be responsible for his upcoming Jokerification. <laughs> Uh, that being said, Jocelyn Navarro's got a tough hill to climb, but uh, I think she is not going to do it. Hollowick is going to win. All right. That's your prediction there. So going back down to the bottom left-hand corner of the bracket, we have Mixed Marshall Archie, a dark horse in this whole thing, you know, advancing, against Danhausen. And with 69% of the vote, nice, Danhausen beats Mixed Marshall Archie. Uh, sadly, not surprised. Um, you know, I think, uh, Mixed Martial Archie is very niche for this show, where Danhausen is very niche for the rest of the world. Uh, maybe some sympathy votes, uh, with breaking his leg this week at an, uh, at an event. Uh, get well soon, Danny the Housen. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how that goes for you next week. All right, and in the final matchup of this round, we had friend of the show, at least formerly. Uh, he's boy. still my friend. <laughs> I'd like to think he's still my friend, but uh, the boar facing the champion of Pod Van Dam, Hook. And uh, here's the thing, Joe, and for anybody who hasn't been following this, uh, the boar was in the lead for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, it was down to just, you know, our basically our listeners, our Twitter followers, the followers of the podcasts that are involved in this whole fiasco. And after everybody kind of cast their votes, you know, the boar was in the lead. He was looking good for him. Uh, and then Ed Cody goes and starts tweeting, starts tweeting at Tony Khan, starts tweeting at like every wrestler you can think of that's on AEW. And he tweets at Taz. And uh, wouldn't you know it, Taz goes and retweets the, 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 the tournament, specifically this matchup. And a lot of votes went Hook's way. Uh, one might say an inter- insurmountable amount of votes. Uh, and uh, with 71% of the vote, Hook beats Boar. Now, how many votes did this get in comparison to, the, like, let's say the next most vote getter on the, uh, the polls there? I don't know if you still have that information in front of you. Uh, yeah, so uh, the Boar versus Hook got 469 votes overall. Uh, the next closest one was the Danhausen MMA, which had 288. Uh, Wicked versus Josh Bishop, 240. And Arthur MacArthur versus Navarro, 203. Mm-hmm. So I'll say this. Don't blame you can't blame ed for this i know a lot of people wanted to blame ed i know ed was trying to turn the blame over to taz for doing this well actually joe let me let me cut you off right there okay because i'm gonna hit the purple button real quick just to shed some light on this uh we have a voicemail um this is ed from pod van dam and i just want to talk about the um at odds gender neutral monitor tournament um a lot of boars friends and fans have been very mean to me and i just want to make it very clear uh i 
didn't do anything wrong. I was just a silly boy doing a little bit, and Taz, uh, Taz did it. Uh, and I don't think he can get mad at Taz. He just loves this kid that much. And he's a great father, uh, Boar. I think you can understand. Uh, Taz just being the best dad that he can. So, um, just everybody start being nice to me again is what I'm saying. And, um, mm-hmm. my dislike this week is from NXT 2.0, and it's them teasing Johnny Gargano and Ciampa again. And my like this week is Kid Bandit's Halloween costume. Uh, I want Kid Bandit to, uh, rearrange my insights. Who said that? Uh, Summer's edit that out. Uh, my, my, I, my like is Broad Breaker uh, suplexing the fake Bobby Knight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, whether you're being nice uh, or mean to Ed, uh, Ed's actions remind me of a joke from David Cross's act. This is from a CD that came out over 20 years ago, so listen. Um, the the long and the short of the joke is uh, you got to shoot your shot. You know, maybe you get 99 no's, but maybe that 100th girl likes to fuck on a pile of trash, right? <laughs> Um, so Ed is a silly boy who did a silly bit. Yes. I think if you asked Ed while he was sending out these tweets, where he essentially tweets the entire AEW (laughs) roster, asking them to signal boost this fantasy tournament that we're doing on the podcast, and this late in the show, hey, if you came to this podcast because of the Taz retweet, I hope you enjoyed so far. (laughs) Yeah, welcome to all of our new listeners. <laughs> Thanks to all of our new listeners. Um, so when Ed was doing this, and I bet you if Ed answered honestly, which I think he would, he would think that absolutely no one would have responded to him or acknowledged him or anything. I'm sure that Ed was just as shocked when Taz acknowledged it as everyone yeah. else was. And I'm sure Ed was like, oh, no, what have I done? I didn't expect anyone to care. And here we are now. And I've, you know, whatever. Now, I will say Ed screwed himself because I'm sure he can get one quote tweet from Taz. I don't (laughs) think he's getting a second one. Yeah. So I will say uh, at the end of the day, I am not mad at Ed. I I would say that if I was watching this tournament unfold in my mind's eye, <laughs> I would have expected the boar to make a past hook, and he was, you know, at least on pace to do so. So I was a little disappointed, you know, that that the boar did not advance. But you know, such is the way the boar performs in these things, I guess. But um, my biggest thing is like, all right, I get why people are mad at Ed, and I don't think you should be, but. Why are people mad at me? I had nothing to do with this. I gave him a cake matchup in the first round, which he did advance on with 63% of the vote. And then what better layup can I give him than a guy who doesn't have Twitter, Hook? I put him against Hook in the second round. And I was like, I was just gift wrapping him a path to face either Matthew Justice or Danhausen in the in the semifinals. And uh, somehow I'm getting blamed for this. So that's the biggest outrage I have, Joe, is Ed's out there and he's like tweeting the world trying to get support for Hook. But somehow me, I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. But it's like, oh, everybody be mad at Ed and Adam. I didn't do anything, man. <sighs> Anyways, Joe, 
Would you like to know the semifinals and you want to kind of give it a rundown? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, and then we'll get out of the way on this thing. And again, this is the semifinals of the At Odds with Wrestling tournament, gender-neutral Monarch tournament, sponsored by the Benefactors. I forgot to throw that in earlier. And in the semifinals, on one hand, we have Danhausen versus Hook. Uh, like I said, Ed got his one uh, quote tweet from Taz. Um, I don't think Tony Schiavone's kid who runs his account will be quote tweeting this. <laughs> um, if <laughs> so, Ed doesn't pay attention to wrestling Twitter. Uh-huh. Um, but he might know someone that does, and there might be an angle that he could used to get if he asks the right people but again you know ed's gonna do what ed's gonna do is all i'm gonna say (laughs) i think and i'm just speculating and i don't know what he's going to do but i think i don't think ed's gonna go and try to get any kind of retweets from anybody famous i think the the bit has run its course i think he's afraid of running into the boar somewhere Mm -hmm. but anyways uh, on the other side of the brackets we have the other semi-final and that is jocelyn navarro versus hollow wicked I said before, Jocelyn could do it, but I don't think she's gonna. I think this is gonna be, uh, I'm looking at a spooky finals of Hollow Wicked versus Dan Housen. All right. Uh, with this being Thursday night, the polls will be open sometime around 11-ish tomorrow, Friday morning. Again, I apologize. I can't commit to a set time, but the polls will run for six days. Uh, be sure to vote early and often and, you know, Let's not have a repeat of last week, all right, people? <laughs> but that's all I got for the tournament, Joe. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, plugs, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, the NFL pigskin pickums for the soon-to-be-named network is still going on. Uh, don't forget to do your picks and make sure that your picks actually go through because the ESPN site sucks hard. Uh, I saw you've fallen way down. Uh, you're going to be uh, in 32nd place with me soon, I think. Uh, no, dude, I'm right back up there. I'm like fifth place. Mm, okay. I had, I had a really good uh, second half of the week. I I want to say I'm one point behind Marcus. Whoever so, that is. Yeah, whoever that is. That's the guy from Final Wrestling Place. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Come on, man. Listen to the product. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Todd has advanced up to first place along with some other people. But, yeah, I'm like, I'm in the thick of it. I, I was in, like, second place a couple days ago. But, yeah, I'm in fifth. This is anybody's game. There's still another, like, 30 weeks in the NFL season. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is in <laughs> baseball. It's like, oh, well, we lost this three-game stretch against the Brewers. Are the Brewers still a team? They are still a team. Oh, my goodness. We lost this three-game stretch against the Brewers. We only have a, 140 more games in the season. We're, <laughs> whatever are we going to do? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> baseball sucks, too. Oh, shut up. <laughs> um, you can make any purchases through our Tee Public store. I think there are literally five days in the month of November where the entire site is not 35% off. We are currently in the midst of a... Uh, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, sun- Saturday, Sunday sale, where you can get uh, designs inspired by add-ons with wrestling, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, and Hit My Music uh, on anything from cell phone cases to notebooks to throw pillows. And as I mentioned, there's literally five days left in the month of November that 
the entire site is not 35% off. If by some chance you accidentally make your purchase on one of those five days, I think you should play the lottery because you could <laughs> not have worse odds than that. <laughs> um, another way that you can help us out is by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link that's in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. Does not cost you anything extra. Uh, Amazon calls it an advertising fee because if it wasn't for us, at odds with wrestling, you, the listener, would not know that Amazon exists. Uh, I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, somebody purchased the John Moxley uh, hardcover. Oh, nice. I'm waiting for the audiobook version of it. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's definitely a good idea, too. <laughs> uh, somebody also purchased Cody Classics Perfume. All right. Ed Cody I've, Classics? <laughs> no, not C-O-T-Y, not C-O-D-Y. Oh, okay. <laughs> Smell like a neck tattoo and hair dye. I don't know. <laughs> um, no, I've never been a cologne man myself. Yeah, just you just get by on, like, your own stank. Yeah, you know, like my uh, natural stink to be out there. I got nothing to hide. I take a fucking shower with, like, you know, Irish spring and Prell shampoo, you know? Just hope for the best, right? Yeah. Uh, somebody also purchased uh, from the Star Wars Black Series. We were talking about it in weekly purchases last week. Uh, the Moff Gideon action figure. Somebody also purchased a Funko Pop of Cobb Vanth, who's that? That was that Timothy Oliphant wearing the stolen Mandalorian outfit. It is. That's that guy. I I I personally just did not to get off topic on this. I I did not purchase that through Amazon, so it wasn't me. I purchased ten of them through the importer exporter business because oh. there's a chase. There's a chase, so I I figured if I order ten, I can just pluck the chases and just return the rest of them. <laughs> The Anyways. importer exporter Cobb Vanth opportunity. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Jesus. Go on. And I, we talked about this last week that they're going to do a black series figure of the client because yeah. we because we all need a Werner Herzog action figure. I did not know that there's a Werner Werner Herzog Funko Pop. Yeah, you know what? I completely forgot to mention that to you when you, you talked last week about uh, Werner Herzog. Uh, yeah, he had a pop. It was actually in, like, the first line of Mandalorian Funkos that from, like, almost two years ago. Uh-huh. It's probably, like, a $3 pop. You can buy one if you want one. But uh, there is... I think I want the action figure. I think having, like, the fancy high-end toy of it as opposed to, yeah, you know, Funko. what the hell is this little piece of plastic? That I'm yeah. trying to downsize anyway. <laughs> yeah. And and just a bit of follow-up, because we did talk a bit off-air. Uh, there was some confusion as to whether or not uh, a Warner Herzog vintage series or black series existed. Uh, I did clarify that they announced uh, a black series of the client, but it has not yet gone out for pre-order. Right. So I will keep you abreast of the situation as a, as it comes out. Uh, and last but not least, of course, uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, uh, also known as independentwrestling.tv, iwtv.com. Uh, use the promo code at odds for nothing other than telling Jerry that you as a new 
subscriber have come to him from us. Uh, this weekend, they're having a Beyond event entitled Reverse the Curse. Um, a lot of, I think, uh, a bunch of the women's matches that are on here, Alicia Edwards versus Kaya McKenna, Max the Impaler versus Megan Bain, stuff like that are part of the WWR Plus section of the show. Uh, some of the other matches on here, Bear Country taking on the main event. Not that one. No, no, not that one. The other one. <laughs> uh, Wheeler Yuta taking on Jeff Cobb. Brody King taking on Ryan Galeone. And in the uh, Tom Brandy Patriot right before intermission special, hmm. Ted Goods is taking on Broski. <laughs> It's a sweet spot in the card. Well, I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw uh, Drew was tweeting out from the Beyond uh, account. It's like, oh, what match do you want to see be the main event of this show? Yeah, and Broski's like, I want to be on right before intermission. Because <laughs> back in the day, when Tom Brandy would double dip as the Patriot and Sal Sincere, he would work the Patriot match right before intermission and then literally leave the ring from his match and go over to the gimmick table to sell shit. And yeah. if Broski now gets the Tom Brandy Patriot spot in the world of independent wrestling, there's no sweeter spot to be in. <laughs> He's a smart man. Smart man. <laughs> Broski at least seems to be the type of guy that might go backstage and towel off first. <laughs> I say might. Yeah. Well, you can't sell the, no, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> you know who else towels off before they go and sell their gimmicks? Ooh. He's these podcasts, Joe, <laughs> and these podcasts are that you should go listen to Long Box Heroes, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Hit My Music, Wrestling Cheers, Between the Sheets, Viewer's Choice, Pod Van Dam, IWTV Guide, Hellions Talks, and The A Show. So all those people that tuned in because Taz told them to go listen to those podcasts, too. I agree. Uh, definitely check those out. Yeah. I think that's it for the proper show. All we have left is the everybody's favorite segment. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. Well, it's your favorite segment this week. Uh, I have zero purchases this week. Oh, man. I guess just this once, Joe, I'll have to be the one with all the purchases. And uh, uh, all right. So I, I actually don't have a big week from a volume standpoint and uh, a couple kind of uneventful things. And then I have like a little game we can play. But uh, I will just say that uh, I did get a Target Legends Elite Kevin Nash figure. They oh, you up. finally got one. Yeah, not in person. They popped up on Target's website. And I did the gimmick where it was like they were 22 bucks and it would only let me add one to the cart, but you have to spend $40 or $35 to get free shipping. So I just added a random elite figure, like something, I forget what it was. It might've been 
like a Liv Morgan or something like that. I added that to my cart to push it up over 40 bucks. And then as soon as the order went through, I canceled the Liv Morgan. So I still got free shipping and they shipped me the Nash. So gotcha. Uh, so I do have a Kevin Nash that came in. It's, it's all right. It, if I had my choices, I would have picked out a nicer box. But at this point, I'm just like, whatever. I'm over it. So I do have that. I'm happy. That's that's all I need for this Legends line because I have the Piper and I have the Nash. I don't care about the Road Dog or the Junkyard Dog. So, or not Road Dog, the, the Billy Gun. Right. Uh, but uh, the other the other big thing that I purchased, the only big thing I purchased this week, Joe, is uh, uh, I'll go and I'll, I'll take my heat for this, but... I purchased the uh, Major Wrestling Figure Podcast Micro Brawler 5-Pack. How many did you purchase, Adam? Uh, I might have bought two. (laughs) One to shit on and the other one to smash it down on top of the shit? (laughs) All right, so here's the thing. And anybody can come at me all they want on this. Every single time, every single time, I have bought multiples of any limited edition pod merchandise. So major wrestling figure podcast merchandise. Every single time I've bought doubles, I have sold my spare and paid for the combination of them. So, and you're going to be like, Oh, well that doesn't happen every time. Motherfuckers. I bought a goddamn (laughs) Bob Cardona micro brawler and tripled my money on it. All right. So I, yes, I bought the major pod micro brawler five pack, which consists of, uh, you know, Broski, Hawkins, uh, Smart Mark, VSK, and Rory Fox. Ugh. And yeah, and yes, the Rory Fox one might be just a here, here's something free kid, <laughs> but uh, egg warmer I, Rory Fox. Yeah, I 100% as soon as these sell out in a couple weeks or whatever, uh, there's gonna be somebody that's like, oh man, I really want the 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 Broski one, or oh man, I really want the the Brian Myers one, and I will be happy to be there to sell it to them, and I will make my money back and then some because it never fails. It works, all right? And before you go ahead and give me your thoughts on that, I also purchased the Chelsea Green micro brawler that went separately on her website. So they really pushed that this would be the only way that you can get these micro brawlers was by buying all five of them together, right? Uh, initially, and then uh, I think sales did not dictate, you know, <laughs> that that would be the only way. So eventually, after a couple of days, now I uh-huh. did follow it. They made they put 425 of them up for sale, and before they started selling them individually, because I did the Joe Sposto gimmick where you go and add them to your cart and try to figure out how many it'll let you before it cuts you off. Yep, they had about 120 left of the five pack. Mm-hmm. And so then they were like, oh, okay, you can now buy them individually. And after 24 hours of that, I went and I started tinkering with it. I was like, oh, let me see how many Broskis are available. Let me see how many Myers are available. And there was like maybe 10 Broskis left and there was like 30 Myers. And then everybody else had still probably like the 100 or whatever. So it'll take a little while for them to sell out. But again, I keep using my example. If I made money selling a Bob Cardona micro brawler, I could make money selling a Matt Cardona one. So I'll say this. Yeah. Because they're going to they come in the box, right? They come in the fancy box. And no, they're, it, they're, oh, they're all individually. Yeah. All it was is they were like, we're going to sell them to you as a five pack, but they're all packaged individually. 
Okay, because didn't the previous five-pack or four-pack come in, like, the special box that had all of them in it? Yes, there was a four-pack that had the core, the figure four, mm-hmm. and they only made a hundred of those, and those sold out in, like, ten seconds. Okay. And that was a box that had all four. So that's how I thought this was coming as well. I thought this was a special five-box, you know? Yeah. No, this is just basically your typical micro-brawler packaging. It's just... They were going to try to sell them to y'all in one shot, and that didn't mm-hmm. go over that well. I mean, they sold three quarters of what they had, but. Right. I think I, they always intended on doing this, Adam. Well, I mean. How many did they put up, you said, of the of the initial five-pack, 450-some? They put up 400 and a quarter, and like I said, about 300 of them sold before they broke it up. So, I mean, if they had sold all 425, then I don't think they would have been individually sold them. Oh. Sure, because 425 is a normal, nice, round number that they just had made off the presses of wherever they get them done. It's not like they probably did 500 and then sat on 75 for themselves for whatever they were going to do, giveaways, live 10, or whatever. Oh, well, no, again, I'm not factoring those in. You know, I'm saying out of the amount that they were planning on selling on their website. Obviously, they said from the very beginning that they're like, oh, we're gonna. This is for we're we're gonna keep these. These are we're gonna sell on our gimmick table. Yada yada yada. So I'm not counting that. Again, mm-hmm. trust me, Joe. I, I've been importing and exporting for a long time. I'm gonna make my money back, and then some. Seems like a lot of work, but again, if the return is worth it for you, then who am I to uh, argue? You know. Plus, I mean, I'm a bit of a completist, and one of the benefits to buying two of the five packs was that I was entered into a drawing in the uh, Patreon group to potentially win the set of Broski and Chelsea wedding brawlers. And, oh, man, I was so close. I was two spots away from winning those things. Wouldn't it be easier to fly to Florida Uh and just follow around dude after he (laughs) eats a bunch of them and just collect them out of his shit? No, I want the min on card. <laughs> so here's the thing, Joe. I, I said I would play a little bit of a game. So I'm very curious if you have an idea or if you want to try to figure out how much would I pay for a pair of those wedding exclusive micro brawlers. Now, for those that don't know, allegedly these are wedding gifts for attendees of Broski's wedding, which first of all, I'm very offended that I haven't got my invitation yet. Uh <laughs> But, uh, again, how much do you think I would spend for these? Because I have every other major wrestling figure podcast micro brawler now. So these would be the glaring, like, omissions from my collection, which, as you know, would drive me crazy. How much would you? How yes. much should you? Well, how much I, are you gonna? What, what's all, the question here? All very, All valid questions. <laughs> Now, here's the thing. I might never have an opportunity to buy these. There's that word again. Opportunity. (laughs) So it's one of those things where I have to ask myself, all right, would I spend for the pair 60 bucks? Sure. No brainer. Two seconds I would. I'd buy multiples at that price. Would I spend 100 bucks? Yeah, I think with like 10 seconds of hesitation, maybe. Would I spend 200 bucks, Joe? Probably. Oh, now see, I'm going to stop you there. Yeah, I I was going to say I could see you spending 150 on each. Okay. 
Um, if you spent more than 150 on each, you're out of your goddamn mind. Well, I am out of my goddamn mind. Uh, yeah, I think if it was like, oh, hey, 300 bucks for the pair, I'd buy that. I'd buy that. Mm-hmm. I think that would be the most that I would spend without batting an eyelash. Anything more than that, I would consider, but I'd be really hesitant. You know what I'm saying? I'd have mm-hmm. to really start being like, all right, before I pull the trigger on this, what can I sell to, to lighten this load? But yeah, I think I'm in agreement. I, I would pay upwards of 300 bucks to get those two micro brawlers. Mm-hmm. $300 <sighs> total. Total, yeah, yeah. So 150 as you said, a piece. Or 200 for Chelsea and 100 for Matt. <laughs> oh. <laughs> However you want to break that down. But, yeah, so uh, those are my one glaring need in my micro brawler collection. So if anybody's going to Broski and Chelsea's wedding, you know, hook a brother up. <laughs> uh, all right, Joe. My only say, other... Oh, good. Find out where it is. Uh-huh. Go in a nice suit. Uh huh. Just act like you belong. <laughs> I'd be better off just getting like a waiter's like tuxedo and like carrying around a dish or a platter or whatever and just stealing one off the table. <laughs> right. Yeah. Also, I I I'm gonna guess that they're probably not getting married in a wedding or in a, in a church rather in a church. Yeah. I, I'm assuming that the ceremony itself will be at, um. Like wherever the reception hall is, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you know, Broski, they're gonna have it like at a VFW, right? Gonna go low key. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, when they do the gimmick, does anyone here see any reason why these two should not be wed? You pay someone off to cause the distraction of coming down the aisle to dispute this, and while everyone's attention is diverted, just load up a burlap sap <laughs> sack and jump into a running car and get the hell out of there. Uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty good idea. I like it. These are all ideas. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, I, that's the last of my purchases. Other than one thing, Joe, I don't know if you saw. I, I tweeted out a little bit of a tease about something that I I wanted to unveil for this podcast, but I can't because it didn't arrive. Mm. Do you remember this tweet? It was something about you ordered something to open on the show to do a live unboxing. Yes. Yeah, so I wanted, I was actually going to uh, turn on the camera and unbox it, you know, in your presence just to get your reaction. Now, here's the thing. It is scheduled to arrive tomorrow. And I just don't know if I have the discipline to keep it sealed for a week. So maybe we'll just talk about it. Next week, I'll unveil what was in it. I just, no promises that I'm going to keep it sealed because I it's, it is something that even I don't fully know the contents of what's in the box. Hmm. Interesting. So, let, so let's just say, Joe, do you remember looking at that tracking where it originated from? No, that originated? I don't recall. Okay. Cause that was one of the clues in the tweets. Cause that's the only reason I included the tracking. And I won't make you go, I won't make you go look for it, but, uh, I will just said it. I got to look now, you know? Okay. I was going to tell you, but go ahead and look then. I don't have many tweets. It's probably like two tweets ago. At the man, Adam van. T H E. So it's shipped from Orlando, Florida. Yes. 
Did you buy like a used like swing set from the Fiendus or something? <laughs> no, not at all. Because that that I would have gone down there and got that from her. Right, <laughs> you would have gone down there and probably not come back. <laughs> very true. Very true. But uh, yeah, so. A lot of people selling stuff out of Orlando, Florida. So I'll just leave it at that. It's a, it's a box that I I'm not quite sure of the contents, and uh, we'll 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 readdress it next week. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yes. But that's all I got, Joe. Not huh? not a lot of stuff other than some micro brawler opportunities. Yeah. And uh, again, a good, uh, 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 you know, a, a good bit of business here this week. Uh, you know, nice snackable two-hour show, <laughs> as we expected. Um, but yeah, so for Adam, uh, this is Joe closing out uh, episode 163 of Ad with Wrestling. Uh, thanks for listening. Be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.